Hello, you're listening to Cancer Answers. I'm your host, Heather Ifeth, and today Dr. Kevin Castle will talk about protecting skin from cancer. Dr. Castle currently serves as a full member in the Population Sciences in the Pacific program, Cancer Prevention, at the UH Cancer Center. His research focuses on implementing effective cancer control interventions by working with communities experiencing cancer health disparities. Thank you, Dr. Castle, for being here. It's great to have you here. Uh, what would you like our listeners to know about skin cancer? Oh, well, again, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about skin cancer. Of course. Um, one of the most important things I want people to know, uh, skin cancer is one of the most common and preventable types of cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, skin cancer in and of itself is cancer that occurs on the cells, surface layer of a person's skin, of course. Um, there are different types. Um, there are some types that are more virulent than others. Basal cell and squamous cell uh, skin cancers are very common. Um, uh, the most deadly form is melanoma, and that is not quite as common, but it is one of the most deadly forms of skin cancer. Mm-hmm. And who is at high risk for skin cancer and why? Well, that's a good question, and thank you for asking. Um, everyone's actually at risk for skin cancer. There are some misconceptions that people who have darker complexions may not have risk for skin cancers, but actually risk is equivalent off the, across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, having a severe sunburn early in life, it puts people at high risk for melanoma. Mm. So we wanna protect children early on. The onset of melanoma actually occurs more frequently in people who are from 15 years old to about 35 years old. That's, some of the, uh, that's a group that's increasing in cancer uh, virulence, especially for skin cancer. So we wanna be mindful of that. Um, for basal and squamous cell cancers, they occur a little bit later in life, but everyone's at risk for that type of cancer. It's not as deadly as melanoma, doesn't have the propensity to spread to other organs, but it is a, a very common type of cancer. And what happens is be, the treatment for melanomas often is excision. So mm-hmm. because these can- cancers occur in sun-exposed areas, you're talking about uh, places like your face, arms, and legs, that need excision, which is really not cosmetically appealing. So there's a morbidity cost for all cancers, as in, in particularly based on squamous cell cancers, even though it's not deadly. Mm-hmm. I see. And what signs and symptoms should people look out for when it comes to maybe possibly potentially developing skin cancer? Because yeah. that's oftentimes a concern for people. So what, what should they look out for? Yeah, you should look out for abnormal lesions in your skin, you know, a sore that doesn't heal, moles that are, are changing shape or in terms of their uh, elevation from the skin. Um, you know, anything that's abnormal on your, on your skin. So that's why, why it's important to be vigilant and know what your, your skin looks like, what your moles look like, uh, wh- where there are patches of, or lesions that may develop. If you have a suspicious area, uh, the best advice is to have it seen by a dermatologist. A dermatologist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now with summer here, um, what measures can individuals take to protect themselves from getting skin cancer? Because that that's also a concern that many people have that, oh, um, it's we are living in Hawaii. It's the, the climate is like this, especially during the summer. So um, what can they do to uh, to help themselves here? Yeah, it's, it's important to be um, mindful because we're so close to the equator. Uh, you, the skin cancers are caused by ultraviolet radiation, either mm-hmm. from the sun or from tanning boosts. There are some other factors uh, that can cause skin cancer, but those are the predominant ones. That's why it's preventable. So avoiding uh, uh, certain times of the day, 
typically people should be mindful of the hours between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Uh, we've got direct exposure to direct sunlight. Uh, if possible, if you're outdoors, seek shade when, when, you, when you need to. Uh, also wearing clothing that's protective of the skin. You know, most fabrics, uh, cotton fabrics, have a tight enough weave that they'll offer some protection. And the way you can tell is if the fabric is protective, it's just hold it up to the light. And if you can see through it, that gives you an idea how much the fabric is blocking ultraviolet radiation. Mm -hmm. Uh, another thing is in those situations where you can't wear protective clothing or hats, uh, sunglasses, and seeking shade, uh, to use some type of sunscreen. Typically, we recommend a sun protection factor, a SPF of uh, 30 or more. Um, and then people who are outside, they need to reapply every hour, uh, particularly if they're sweating, engaged in uh, athletic activity. So every hour you want to reapply. It takes about a, a, a tablespoon of sunscreen to cover most uh, sun exposed areas. But those are some of the things you can do to protect yourself. And again, like I said, um, everyone's at risk for, for skin cancers, mm -hmm. no matter what their complexion. Some people may burn a little more quickly. And that's another indicator of, of uh, you know, risk for skin cancers is you getting sunburns. And sunburns, like I said, early in life, and increasing over time, it can be a risk factor for skin cancers later. Mm -hmm. And many people have a concern regarding SPF. So can you please talk more about what SPF is and what's an ideal, um, you know, SPF recommended for, for people with different skin colors? Yeah, well, it, it all depends. What we recommend, dermatologists across the board recommend an SPF of at least 30 plus. SPF stands for sun protection factor. It mm -hmm. literally was taking someone uh, who was very fair skinned and looking at the time it would take from them to burn and then adding that layer of protection. So SPF is a factor of how long it takes for them to burn. So mm -hmm. the sun protection factor of 30. So if you typically would burn in 10 minutes, this is 30 times 10 minutes. So that gives you that, affords you that level of protection. Now, sun protection factors uh, run from anywhere from uh, 30 all the way up to 100. Those extra, after you look at a sun protection of mm -hmm. about 50, uh, that extra protection really is not found in actually reducing risk. So it's, you know, but it's important to wear a sunscreen if you're out there and you can't uh, protect yourself by other means. Um, in terms of sunscreen usage, it's probably the sunscreen that you like the best, that ones that people want to wear. Um, and those can vary. Some people like to have the very dense, sticky sunscreens that will, you know, create a layer on their skin. Um, some, you know, there's different types, but mostly we recommend people use a sunscreen that they're going to use regularly. Whatever they, the sunscreen you like, use that one. And is the lotion more effective than the spray or which, which one do you think is better? Yeah, it depends. You know, there is a lot of uh, controversy about the sprays because they may not be applied as mm -hmm. needed. Uh, they may not confer a, a layer of protection. Um, you know, but, you know, it... If people use them on a regular basis, I think it, it really doesn't matter if they make an effort to apply them correctly. Again, I would have this discussion with a dermatologist mm -hmm. um, and talk about a person's risk for skin cancer. The idea is to do other things in concert with uh, sunscreen, uh, with sunscreen being a kind of a, a path of uh, last re last resort for a person. You know, we, if you could do other things in addition to using sunscreen, that's fine. But um, you know. Uh, lotion. There are face applications for, you know, people have that complaint that sunscreens, if they're having or performing athletic activities, 
it burns their eyes. So they mm -hmm. want to have a special formulation for their face and they have those. Um, so whatever one a person likes, I think that would be the best one for them to use because you want people to use it on a regular basis. Got it. And towards the end, um, what ongoing studies are taking place regarding um, regarding melanoma and skin cancer prevention here at the Cancer Center? Oh yeah, well, so we have a, a variety of studies. Uh, one of my favorite studies is working with athletes in uh, school tennis programs. We're actually looking at what we call unintentional tanners. These are people, kids outside, uh, because of their activity, they don't really can't afford the opportunity to seek shade or to, uh, you know, having other means of protection. So I, I work with um, McKinley High School tennis team. We actually uh, gave them some resources and we looked at um, how we have a, an objective measure of their sun protection. We look at what's called a photospectrometer, where we can take a measure of their melanin and the reflectivity of their skin and see if in fact their melanin levels have changed over time and looking at their nascent uh, melanin levels versus their current melanin levels and then tracking those changes over time to see objectively if they're using sun protection behavior. So that's kind of a fun study working with the kids. Um, they are really open to learning about sun protection. These are high school kids. A lot of them because they're not under the purview of their parents as they were before, they have some autonomy in some of the consumer choices, the clothes they buy and how they perform their health promotion behavior. So learning about the risk in terms of appearance for, um, for, for skin cancers is really uh, important to them, but they don't often know. So educating them about their risk for skin cancers and providing them with some opportunities uh, for protection is, is very important. So we're looking at that in some of our studies, particularly, like I said, the uh, un unintentional tanners who are athletes. Another study we have is working with, uh, you know, dermatologists. A lot of times uh, melanomas can be not uh, well detected. And there's sometimes a lag time between when a general practitioner identifies a suspicious case and can have a person seen by a dermatologist. So we're looking at how to support both general practitioners and dermatologists through the use of uh, photographs. Uh, dermoscopy is one of the techniques we use. It's where uh, you use a dermoscope to look at a potential lesion and a determination can be made whether or not this is a melanoma or a skin mm -hmm. cancer. So we're looking at some uh, artificial intelligence supported uh, evaluation of photographs and dermoscopic lesions to see if they can help dermatologists and general practitioners streamline that process and make decisions a lot earlier and a lot quickly more quickly. This was very informative. Thank you so much, Dr. Castle, for being here today. That is all for now, listeners. Stay tuned for a new guest, a new episode next week on Thursday at 12 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. You can visit our website, uhcancercenter.org. You can also follow us on our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, as well as Twitter. Our handle is at uhcancercenter. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.